First Thessalonians, chapter 5, we're working our way down through uh, the last <clears throat> few verses of this book. We're dealing with uh, some of Paul's commands to the church. He made a presentation about coming of the Lord and now he's working with, with folks to, to have peace within the church. So if you would, turn with me uh, to uh, chapter uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, and we're going to uh, continue on with verses 14 and 15. It says, Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men. See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you again. Thank you for the truths that we read into your word. How important it is to not only have peace within the church, but peace uh, amongst uh, brethren, and just to have a peace in our hearts when we uh, meet with uh, the world. Father, we are going to be challenged as these people were challenged with folks around that were unbelieving, that thought what they were teaching was blasphemous, that was counter to what they thought in their hearts. But Father, uh, we know that you are the truth. We are teaching the truths that you, you teach us with. And Father, I thank you that we can walk through this world and realize that uh, there are many that hate what we do. They do not want to be told that they're lost and they're dying and they're going to hell. Father, I thank you for the words that you teach to us, that sacrifice you made on the cross for our salvation. Father, I know that we, as we look through these words, we have that truth. And I'm thankful for when we can share that truth and when people do accept that truth and turn their lives around as these people have. And Father, we thank you and ask us all in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Well, last week we were talking about the leaders and kind of a, a quick review is, you know, kind of we want to get to know the church leaders. And to understand their position and their needs because remember we we said this church is very young these folks came from among them and oftentimes they saw them in one light now they have to see them and understand them in in a different position and so they to listen to them and to heed their counsel and that's very very important because some of them are like well I worked with you and you know why should I listen to you you know uh, or maybe the person worked and the person that's now sitting in the in the congregation might have been that person maybe their supervisor or their boss in some ways like well why should I listen to you well now they're in a different position and of course leaders are not to be authoritarian and and oftentimes when people get in a new position where they're leading that can be that tendency to be authoritarian so it's it's very important because it's a fine line and it's one that taking on that job it's not an easy job it's not a job that you know for the lighthearted or the lazy as, as we mentioned so today we want to look at 
concerning others, verses 14 and 15. And we might make it all the way to 15, I don't know, but because there's some pretty meaty stuff in here when we're talking about uh, uh, concerning others. And Paul wanted peace with each other. That's what he, he mentioned back up in, in uh, verse 13. And he says, and be at peace among yourselves. So I can only imagine um, what was really going on in that church. And were the leaders peaceable type people? Or like we mentioned, some people were maybe jealous of that. But here, the Apostle Paul, he's, he's exhorting them or uh, trying to get them to understand the importance to get their attention. And he's talking about three groups here, uh, the unruly, the feeble-minded, and the weak. And each one of those describes people we probably run into today that, uh, that are very needy people. And, and it's amazing. We can, we can talk with somebody and, and find that there's a need and chat with them for a bit and they're just fine. And there's others that seem to keep coming back time after time. And here uh, they're pointing out, he says, and now we exhort you brethren. So he's telling the, the folks in the church, warn them that are unruly. And it's pretty interesting. We've already seen where some people are tending to be unruly. They don't want to work. They figure, Christ is coming back. Why should I work? I can just work or, or, or uh, be uh, supported by all these other people. They could take care of me. And so that's really the group that he's kind of talking about here. And he's, uh, he said, uh, one person uh, those that are out of line, probably referring to idlers and busybodies. We pointed them out a lot. And of course, we get over in Second Corinthians or Second Thessalonians, and we're going to see them some more. And the, the Apostle Paul uh, is, in the first book, kind of giving them a warning. And in the next book, and we're going to kind of talk a little bit about what to do with those type of people and how to, how to treat them. But he, he gets in a little more detail in, in uh, 2 Thessalonians 3 to the point of saying, don't have fellowship with them. But it's kind of, uh, I guess Brother Chris probably knows it a lot better, but when they're talking about the unruly, they might uh, be talking about an army and how if you watch... Uh, uh, army in, in formation or uh, troops in formation or when they're carrying out uh, an operation there's very much an order to what's going on and the Apostle Paul of course being in the Roman Empire used a lot of military analogies and what he's addressing here is a group that's in disarray and that's what these unruly people were doing they were creating problems within the church uh, basically living on other people's dimes working off from other people's generosity and it's obvious that the folks at Thessalonica cared for these people and they were willing to help them um, but I'm sure that there's a point where they were like um, well sooner or later you're going to have to figure out something well and I'm sure they come back and goes, well you know the Lord's coming back why should I get a job you have more than enough share it with me Hmm. Can I hear that today? <laughs> Why should I 
live in a house? Why should I have to pay rent? Why should I have to get a job? Because, oh, the government will send me a check every so often. And, of course, now, with all things going on around us, uh, some people don't want to go back to work because they're now getting a nice uh, stipend from the government in their uh, unemployment that uh, for a while was $600. Now I think it's, what, $400 or something like that on a weekly basis. That puts somebody in a... Uh, in a good position, of course, you're supposed to pay bills and buy food and pay your rent and you know, kind of stimulate the economy a little bit, but most of these people are using it for other things. That's why they've come up with rules of uh, eviction moratoriums going on now around the state. They don't have to pay their rent. Just you know, show them that, well, if I, if I do, I, I won't have any money to do anything else, so would you please forgive this for a while? Well, eventually, it's going to come due. And that's playing on the conscience of some of the people here is that, you know, they're being fair with these people as fair as God was with them. You know, I mean, face it. When we accepted Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, we didn't have to work for that. It was given to us. It was a free gift. Of course, that's what these people are expecting, that free gift coming to them all the time to take care of them. And, you know, and here they're given a warning about that. You know, they're sometimes, uh, as a Christian, we have to be maybe stern to somebody that should be working that isn't especially one that's amongst in, in, you know, in the church that refuses to go to work or refuses to, to do anything and then becomes basically disruptive because, well, they're idle. They're a busybody. They think they know somebody, you know, they, they know more than the person teaching them. Or they just think, fine, hey, you're going to take care of me regardless. You're not going to let me starve. You, you know, you're a Christian. You won't let me starve. Well, I think there's some words over in Second Thessalonians that talks about that. <laughs> and sometimes it's tough love. Sometimes we have to put a person out at that level and work with them and let them realize. Um, I have a grandson that's going through that right now. He's being challenged. Uh, He's raising his son, trying to get full custody, working a job, trying to balance all that out. But he's realizing he needs to be in church. And for a while, he, he, he has, and as far as I know today, he's going to be in church. And sometimes just letting them go far enough out there, but be willing to, just in case they stumble and fall, just like, God does with us when we stumble and fall what's he do he picks us back up dusts us off we say we're sorry for what we did and what's he do he fully restores us well they're warning these people here you need to be productive you need not to be idle you need to present yourself I mean we look around here we've had people come here that have help need help and we've helped them within reason and I'm sure that 
those of us who have been in other churches and other assemblies where we've done the very same thing. Some actually are large enough and have uh, uh, funds enough that they're able to have a specific ministry that brings people in off the streets and gets them squared away and gets their lives turned around. That's the types of things that they're trying to do here. They want to warn the unruly. Um, so, you know, uh, Thessalonians 3.14, we'll get there, but if it says, if any man obey not our word by this epistle, note that man, have no company with him, that he may be ashamed. That's very important to think about. A person that maybe they're having a difficult time, and it's okay to help them. But it's when they stay in that position, condition, make excuses for their life, there's a point where you just need to let them be ashamed, to openly be ashamed. And, and, it, and it hurts when we, we do that, especially if that person's a relative or maybe a very close friend of yours. And, and you see that, and you, you do, you want to reach out there and you want to take care of every inch of that, but you know you need to let them come back somehow. And, and, and that's so important. And we're going to be in and out of uh, Matthew 18. It talks about discipline that Christ talked about to his, uh, his disciples. And this is something that is used for church discipline. Matthew 18, 15 through 17. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. In other words, don't make it a big, big thing at that point. Because you might be able to get that person to turn around. If he shall hear thee, thou hath, hast gained thy brother. In other words, you've, you've helped restore him. Well, the Holy Spirit's restored him, but you've been the instrument that's been helpful in that. Verse 16 says, But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. So you might have to get somebody else to go with you in, in this case. And, and help you. And, verse 17 says, if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican. In other words, completely turn your back on that person as far as the help that you're giving them. Doesn't mean that you stop trying to counsel them. You still try to find some way to reach that person. But maybe that person doesn't want to accept it because we're going to see here in a little bit uh, about some of the feeble-minded and the weak that they are going to need to or want to accept that. And that's what the unruly need to do too. They need to realize, hey, yeah, it's not right that I act this way. I need to be productive and work. I need to help because some of these busy bodies and idle people didn't even want to work within the church. They thought it was beneath them. They're just going to take advantage of everything, which is really sad. So when we think about that, that's, you know, that's probably the toughest group to work through and to get them to turn around because they're capable. They just have made it a choice that they don't want to do that. You know, we look around at some of the homeless people. You give an, op an opportunity to, to uh, maybe make a... a, a, a a step up out of their position. Some take it full advantage and say, yes, that's the step I need to let me focus on something. And then there are others that, wow, 
I'll see what else I could get. You know, yeah, you gave me a, a nice place to crawl into at night. I'm going to just see how much stuff I can gather and put around this place. And, and we've seen it all around here. It's terrible when you get into Portland. It's even worse. They, they actually have built, Eugene has built little communities for people to go into. And some of them are very good about that. Others, they've had to say, no, you can't be here anymore because you don't take care of what's been given to you. Sometimes we might have to do that. So that's the unruly person in the group. And then, then it talks about comfort the feeble-minded. And we see a lot more of these people today. You know, We want to encourage them, but yet we don't want to make excuses for them. You know, this is the idea of those that are maybe faint-hearted. Maybe they're timid. Maybe they, you know, weak in their heart. Is, is uh, you know, it has a fear of the worst. That's some people, and, and we know them by their nature. They're just afraid of, of what's going to happen, doom and gloom and everything. Even though they might be taught, they might be learning, they just aren't grasping what's going on around them. Let God take care of things for you. Not to the point that you're like the unruly people where, you know, I'm waiting for God to give me that money. I'm just going to sit here until he gives me that money. But the feeble-minded, he's like, okay, well, you know, God's helping me. I, I, I'm just worried it's not enough or I'm, I'm not going to be able to make ends meet. We're seeing that today with a lot of these people the, that are, you know, getting this extra money that are maybe given forgiveness on rent. The, this moratorium, they want more. Or they're afraid that uh, no matter how much you give me, it's not going to cover what I need. Some people just get that point. They're despondent, worried, or sad, uh, and they're lacking the strength to, to be willing to face up to persecution. Of course, the people in Thessalonica, what, what are they facing? They're facing massive amounts of persecution, not only from the government, but from the former religions that they were involved with, the pagan and with the Jewish religion, they're, they're persecuting them. Can you imagine? And we might be facing that here shortly. There's you know, all sorts of weird talk out there. And if we listen to it, we might as well just you know, lock up our doors, go home, and never go out of our house again. But you know what? The Holy Spirit's stronger than that. God has control of everything that's there. A lot of these people don't have that grasp. And we have that there. You know, it include people who are anxious um, even about maybe their salvation. Maybe they've stepped in and out of, of, of concerns in their life that, well, I, I, I know I'm saved, but I, I'm, I, don't, I don't know. You know, just that kind of a, a thought process where, well, maybe, maybe I, maybe I did, did, did enough wrong that, God's not going to forgive me for that. Some people get into that point of view. Or they might get involved in, in uh, sins of the world that, that are causing them to fret. And, you know, so it's, and it's really temporarily stressed. And we look today, and yep, that could easily happen. We could be very much so. And we need to encourage people that, no, it's not that. It's not that bad. And to stop and think, it says, well, find some good in what's going on. We can look, and, and that's what I love about a Christian that 
is in their Bible, praying regularly, fellowshipping. I don't care how bad it gets, they can show you how, how good it is. You know, I kind of laugh at, uh, I won't, won't say laugh, but it, it, it just kind of, uh, reading some of the stories uh, in Russia when people used to just find a, a page of the Bible and just like that's the only thing in the world and they just they almost like devour it just they got it memorized they could lose it and then you know they know exactly what's on that page and groups meet and they try to get as much of the gospel together as they can and just share it because that's the only thing that they have to cling to they know they know that strength and that and they look at it and say we've got the scripture you might only have a page or our part of it where most of us here you know go through most of our homes and there's three or four bibles in our houses uh, some people have bibles in their house that never have been opened i, I have to make a joke about uh, a, a little girl kept asking her parents what's that big book up there and he goes well that's god's word so well why don't we give it back to him we never open it <laughs> yeah, so you know little innocent people but there are some people that take for granted that what we have and yet they're so scared because of what might happen you know if, if what what they say i think if if people they worry about something that's never really ever going to happen you know i'm afraid that if i drive my car out there i'm going to get hit well yeah if you don't pay attention you're going to get hit or you're going to have an accident. So don't ever go outside your house. That's, that's kind of the thought process. And the next one is support the weak. To hold oneself opposite to another. In other words, well, I look here, and I'm sure each one of us has got areas where, where we're weak and we have needs. But we hold each other up. And, you know, you can go into all sorts of analogies about molecular structure and certain things that hold the, the molecules together and how much binding energy holds cells and uh, molecules and atoms together. And it takes so much more energy to rip them apart and the amount of energy and all this stuff, especially when you talk about, you know, nuclear energy. It's, that's always fun because of the binding energies and what comes out of the result of it. But everyone here, we're an organism. Each one of us holds each other together. And that's the beauty. And we do, we have some feeble-minded folks. I, won't, I don't think we have any unruly people here, do we? Sometimes. So, yeah, sometimes. <laughs> Depends on what day of the, no. But, but if you look at it, you know, what holds us together is the Holy Spirit. And, that, and when there is an issue, we hold each other up. And there are people that are very much opposites of each other, but not like it is here. You know, there are people that the weak here is of, of they might be weak in, in knowledge. You know, when I look at, at some of the levels of knowledge of people out here, education-wise, both, you know, secularly and in Scripture, I'm impressed. There's a lot of huge churches that don't have the level of knowledge that we have. And I'm thankful for that. One, because it kind of challenges all each other, and, and, it, and it gives us that strength. But then there's others who, you know, might have a conscience problem. They're still fighting with things of the world. Maybe they're fighting with sins that they might have shared with us, and we pray with them about it, but that's still eating at them and fighting with them. And so it's, it's very, 
very real. It's, it's something that each one of us has a certain amount of weakness. 1 Corinthians 8, 8, 7 says, How be it there is not in every man that, that knowledge, for some with conscience of the idol unto this hour eat it as a thing offered unto an idol, and their conscience being weak is defiled. Remember when we were back in, in, uh, in, in, the, in the books of Corinthians, we had people that had no problem going to the market. <laughs> it's meat. You know, if it's offered to an idol, it probably put some good stuff on it, make it more tender, and cooks up just nice. And there's others out there goes, I won't touch that. You know, it's like, oh, you know, you might as well have, you know, dug it out of the compost pile or something as far as they're concerned. They will not touch it because they subconsciously, they, they, they know that if I do, I'm going to, I might fall back into something. They're just weak in that area. The, the others is, is the, they're still the pull of the worldly temptations. You know, and, and it says that, that we're made a new creature. The world really doesn't have a pull on us, just what we allow it to pull on us. And that's what some people, they just need to be around Christians a little bit more and learn, oh, okay, I don't need to worry about that kind of stuff. It doesn't have an effect on me. To some people, it does. Uh, we had uh, a man back in Connecticut that was, uh, well, the guy's name was Heiner. He's a great body man. And people really thought he was very quirky because the minute you met him, he immediately wanted to know if you were saved. I mean, he, hi, my name is so-and-so. Hi, my name's Heiner. Are you saved? Are you going to heaven? I mean, that's about how quick you get to know him. But when you find out about the man's past, he was part of a motorcycle gang. He's German, very, very German, but he was part of a motorcycle gang. Um, he used to do things like uh, eat light bulbs just to make some drinking money. He'd break them and chew them up and think nothing of it. He would not listen to any music that had words in it. He was, to him, Somehow it just made him think of go back to his old days. And he was very careful about what he listened to. Sweetest man in the world, once you got to know him. He knew that God had saved him and that it had changed his life so drastically. People got worried when they go to visit him. His living room had bus seats bolted down because every Thursday he had a Bible study. And our, our church back in, in Connecticut, which cornerstone back there, we used to use his house. He lived in two rooms of that house. The rest was for God's work. He had a, a flu fire in the house, and I think he had four kids at the time. When church started, he would go to the church that he went to over a town over, and we had that there. We had a little nursery and everything, but it we had a flu fire, so we couldn't use it. The fire marshal came in and says, Heiner, you're going to have to move out. You can't live here with your children. The people knew him well enough over the years to see that the change in this man's life and how many people he had brought into the church that he went to. I can't count the number of people that have been converted because of his Bible study, because of just the way he was. The church took up an offering and completely renovated his house. And we're talking a house that was probably built in the early 1900s. 
it had a cast iron boiler in it that he actually threw two dozen eggs in to kind of seal it up so it would work. He, he uh, <laughs> yeah, and it worked for about four years. He, his wood stove had a hot water tank on it. That was his hot water. And he burnt any kind of wood he could get his hands on. And he had pots underneath the line going out to catch the creosote. So we knew why he had a fire. We just tried to convince him he needed to clean it more often. But his house was completely renovated. A man that just hated him to no end because you led my wife to the Lord and now she's trying to get me to know him and get me to quit drinking and carousing and stuff. That man came over and put a brand new heating system in his house. He says, that man made that change in my wife. He says, I want that. So this man who completely changed, he was not a weak person. When he got saved, he got saved every way possible. He would give cards to people. He would do body work for people that, had, that, that couldn't afford it. The man just gave and gave and gave and gave. But he wanted to support people that weren't able to do things. And he was not going to let his old life tell him what to do. You know, the, the, we got the adage about the, the law of the jungle says the weak shall perish and only the fittest will survive. But the law of Christ says the strong will support the weak. Romans 15.1 says, We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. This person, he wanted to help other people. And he's quite an uh, interesting, I don't even know if he's still alive. I've, I've, we've lost touch in the last 30 years from him. But he, he wanted to help the weak people. People here want to help the weak people. But yet, what's, what's nice is we don't want to offer excuses for those people. That's what happens oftentimes. Oh, it's okay, you know. Make excuse for what they are. We want to encourage them to grow. We want to, we, and that's what support the weak does. Not support them such that they're going to be taken care of for the rest of their life. Yeah, in the Lord Jesus Christ. In the strength of, the, of scriptures. But we're not to make excuses for what they are. We want them out of what they're doing. We want them to grow in the Lord. You know, and, and so it's, it's necessary that, that we help them, but they have to want the help, just like the feeble-minded and the unruly. They, want, they need to want that help, otherwise they're, they're of no good. You know, it's, and it's such that we, we need to know that we have the capacity here to help folks. We think of those that are, that are infirmed. We have a deaf ministry here that reaches out to the deaf. Many of them can't read. They can understand things, but, but they never aren't able to read. Lisa is spending time teaching the principles of the Bible. When pastor's teaching in, the, in, in Sunday mornings, it's going out to the deaf and listening. We, we're streaming our messages now to reach some that are infirmed or that maybe can't make it to church because of some of the mandates have been laid out here, they're not making excuses for what they're doing. They're still learning. They still want, they're still learning through what's being taught there. And, and that's the beauty that if one of us is ill, go to our computer, turn it on, and we can follow the streaming on our system. You know, that's a support. It's not an excuse to stay out of church. But it's, it's an avenue that if, 
maybe you can't make it. It's, it's there, and it's, it's wonderful. And in the last little bit we talk about, be patient toward all men. And it's very, very important to realize how patient God is with us. And that when we work with people, and, and here it's not only fellow Christians, but it's those that we work with. Um, if you look at uh, Proverbs 14:29, uh, it talks about being slow to wrath. It says, "He that is slow to wrath is of great understanding, but he that is hasty of spirit exalted folly." Or in, in chapter 29, verse 20, it says, "Seest thou a man that is hasty in his words? There is more hope of a fool than of him." Kind of get us to to think about. God is so patient with us. How patient is he? I mean, right up until we get called up into heaven, whether it's through the rapture or whether we die and go into the grave, how patient is God with us? He, I mean, the things that we do, if we look back at what we did, why we're saved and realize how many times we've had to ask for forgiveness, shouldn't we be the same way with men as much as we can? There's a point where we need to say, okay, that's enough. Remember back in Matthew 18 when it talks about that. And we're going to see more about it. But we need to not reject people because they're not, well, you know, they're not like us. No, we don't, we don't want to reject people. We want to make sure that our doors are open for, for everyone. We want to show that, uh, you know, is, uh, that, that we're available to help. You know, again, back with that unruly people. We're thankful that we don't have groups come through here and try to raise a ruckus with us. You know, maybe they look and figure there's only one door in and one door out, and maybe they don't want to get pinned in here for some reason or another. Um, I don't know. <laughs> um, but I'm thankful that we haven't been confronted about what, what we teach here. I'm thankful that we do have people that might have concerns about what's going on today. Just like in, in Thessalonica, there were people that were concerned about what was going on. Hey, if I join that church or if I tell people that I'm confronted, I'm going to lose my job. I'm not going to be able to get this. I might be forced to, you know, any number of things that can conjure up. And then, and of course, being weak people, weak in knowledge. Again, I'm thankful for the level of knowledge that we have in this church where you can go to just about anybody in this church with a question and they're going to show you in scripture, which makes it just, you know, I think one, one of the greatest things going. And I love the discussions that go on here that are edifying to each and every one. Yet I've never seen anybody get in an argument over, well, you know, I don't agree with that. You know, you're way out to lunch on that. I'm thankful that we can say, hey, you know, I, I don't fully understand that. Or, wow, that point of view that you gave me, that you, that you showed me, made me think about things a little differently. Who knows? But the wonderful thing is, is how patient God is with us. We need to be patient with all men. And it creates that peace that's there. And it's so very, very important. Because when we look into verse 15 next week, um, we're seeing that played out today rendering evil for good when in reality it should be the opposite and 
there's some a whole myriad of things that, that come out of that. So next week, as we look into this and finish this little portion, um, dealing with concerning others and how important it is, is we need to understand that people are going to offend us. They're going to try their best to derail us in everything that we do. And yet, as we walk through this earth, and as long as we're on this earth, we need to be as patient as possible. Because who knows? As one person says, we're to win souls on this earth, not to win the arguments. And that's really what it comes down to. We're here to usher souls into, the, into heaven. Lead them there. We are not the ones saving it. We are just doing the ushering in that direction. And it's so very important. I need to learn that because I'm real quick on the trigger. I don't know why, I just am. And the Lord works with me regularly on that. And I'm thankful that he gives me a smack on the back of the head periodically. He said, watch how you say that. And it's amazing how we get that. You know, he's long-suffering with us. We need to be long-suffering there. Let's pray. Father, again, I thank you for how you love us you are long-suffering. You do not do anything to us that would violate our free will, but yet, Father, you know how to bring us and bring the best out of us. And Father, I thank you that day by day that we can look toward eternity with you and know that if we are following you, that we're going to be better the following day than we were today. And Father, we thank you that you love us enough. You saved us, and you provide the growth that we need to secure that final salvation, that when we get that time in eternity with you, we get that glorified body. Father, on this earth, we're going to get our knees banged up. We're going to be having to dust ourselves off regularly. And I thank you, Father, that you support us, you give us the strength that we need to go through this world. For if you weren't here, this world is, would be in complete chaos. And Father, I know that you have a plan that we don't understand. You, you give us glimpses that we need. And you give us the assurance that we're in the right direction. And we thank you, Father, for that. And we just ask that as we go through this world that we'll glorify you through everything that we do and will not hold back. And we ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen.